Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Here we have the longest chapter in the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 14. So we'll do our best. We'll read it together, and then I'll try to skim it a little bit more today. Otherwise, this could this could be an hour-long show. So here we go. It was now two days before the Passover, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than three hundred denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city. And a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And where, wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. 
And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same thing. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. And they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough, the hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him. But he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. And they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his garments and said, What further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy! And the guards received him with blows. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began 
again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows twice, You will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. This is the word of the Lord. The material in this chapter is material that's pretty familiar to us in the church because it's in all four Gospels. We look at it together in depth every year in Holy Week. So it'll make it a little easier for us to skim through this together. Um, but you can spend a lot more time talking about these topics with your kids. Um, this is this is the meat of our faith, if you want to phrase it that way. This is really crucial, critical stuff for us. So uh, chapter starts two days before Passover. We're on Wednesday, and the chief priests are looking to kill Jesus, but they still fear the crowd. So not during the feast. They don't want a mob to rebel against them. Verse 3, we learn that he goes to Bethany. You can ask your children from the rest of the Bible, who do you know that lives in Bethany? And that would be Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. And it's Mary who's going to be the one who anoints Jesus with the oil from this flask that gets mentioned in the verse. Uh, we learn that in John chapter 11 and chapter 12. It's mentioned in both chapters there. They're in the house of Simon the leper. Um, most likely Jesus has healed Simon. And so there's that relationship there for them. As she anoints him, she pours this oil over him. That's what anointing is. And that reminds us of his title, as the, the high priest is going to ask him in verse 61, Are you the Christ? Christ is Greek for anointed one. He's been anointed, uh, and we see him anointed here, even by, by Mary. The crowd gathered at the house, which would primarily be the disciples, are angry over this and think that it's a waste. 300 denarii, uh, that's 300 days pay. That's almost a year's wages. Um, that this was worth, and they wanted to use it to care for the poor. Maybe. They scolded her for it, but Jesus claims it's a beautiful thing. And verse 7 is important for us even today. You always have the poor with you. Whenever you want, you can do good for them. We often think we can fix poverty. We can't fix poverty. I mean, if we were to fix poverty, then what Jesus said here would be false, and he wouldn't be God because um, he knows all things. So we try, we do what we can to aid them. We do good for our neighbors who are in need. But we should not be so prideful to think that we can completely fix and eradicate a sinful nature problem in this world, especially when Jesus himself has said that we can't. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Notice how we don't get any argumentation against Jesus that he says he's going to die. Um, maybe they're thinking greatly off in the future still. I don't know. He makes the note in verse 9 that wherever the gospel is proclaimed, this account will be told of this woman. Very much true, as it got recorded by multiple authors of scripture for us. Verse 10, Judas Iscariot goes to betray him. What does he give to the high priest, and what do they give to him? They offer him 30 pieces of silver in order that he would give them 
a secret location where they could find Jesus. So they want to get rid of Jesus, but they feared the crowd. So the agreement from Judas here is to give them the location of a resting place where they would find Jesus and his disciples alone without a crowd, which has been impossible for the chief priests so far. They've not found that opportunity. So we then come to Thursday, uh, verse 12, the week-long celebration that is about to begin of the Passover feast or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And really, this is a neat God-ordained event that God has already ordained it, that a house will be a guest room prepared for them to eat the Passover together, and they will find this guy and they will go there. We don't talk about that one very often, but it is neat when you stop and think about it. Then they go, they're reclining at table together, and Jesus makes the announcement of the betrayal that is to become. And the disciples don't know who it is, but Jesus makes the comment, verse 21, that it is necessary, but still, woe to the one who betrays him. So Jesus must be betrayed in order that his, his death and resurrection can happen to be our salvation for us, to forgive our sins and give us life. But still, woe to the one who does it. It would be better if he had not been born. The Greek word there is ganao, which means begotten. So not just birth, but really even existence. It would be better if his parents had never conceived him. Um, to have not existed would be better than the, the end outcome will be for that man, which again, that's Judas. Verse 22 uh, through 25. These are very familiar to you. You can ask your children where they hear these words. Um, Jesus taking bread and taking the cup, giving it to them. This is my body. This is my blood. Um, such key words. Uh, Jesus calls this here the blood of the covenant. Sometimes you hear testament. I much prefer the word covenant here. It's the Greek word diatheke. Um, and it connects us to the old covenant and the new covenant, which is really Old Testament, New Testament, which you could call the books, uh, the full whole books of the Bible is the old covenant and the new covenant. It's a beautiful picture, but a Bible study on the covenant would take me an hour to do, <laughs> do with you. So in brief, um, God created the old covenant with Abraham, that he would be his God, they would be his people. And God alone walked through that covenant, uh, binding himself by blood. Uh, so if the covenant is broken, the one who breaks it must die. But Abraham doesn't go through it. So God alone can pay the penalty, pay the price of bloodshed for our, our sin. And here, Jesus is going to do exactly that. The beauty of, of this is even more strong, that it's not just uh, paying the penalty of the old covenant. Jesus, by shedding his blood on the cross, does exactly that. But he also offers up his blood as the beginning of a new covenant, a covenant of forgiveness, that he would forgive us, he would save us. He will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until... Really, the marriage feast. He drinks it new in the kingdom of God, a reference to the marriage feast with us in paradise that never ends. They sung a hymn. That's a good after-dinner practice I would encourage your family to take up as well. And then they go out to the Mount of Olives. More specifically, they're going to go to Gethsemane. Gethsemane is uh, Greek for olive press. Well, actually, Aramaic. Um, it's an olive press. So you go to the garden, the Mount of Olives, and you go to a very specific place where they would actually press the olives into oil uh, that could then be used or sold. And so it's not the season 
for the harvesting of, of olives and for the, the press to be in use. So that's why it's it's here for us. That's why Jesus and his disciples are there. It's a quiet and empty place that they can find rest. They can actually get away from the crowds and rest. That's the place of the location that Judas has given to the, the chief priests. Jesus quotes here uh, in verse 27 from Zechariah 13, 7, I will strike the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. Uh, that is very much true of Jesus as his disciples scatter in fear when he is crucified. But verse 28, after he's raised up, he gives them the instruction to remember, and they're going to remember this, that he's gone to Galilee. Peter speaks in pride, even though they all fall away, I will not. So look at him throw his, his brothers under the bus and claim to be better himself. They all claim they would not die. They would not deny, but that they would die. You get the, the situation of prayer. This is three times. It's already failing for Peter. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter was just told to watch, keep guard. Jesus knows the betrayer is coming. Keep guard while Jesus prays. And Peter can't even do that much. Uh, James or John either, as they were both up there. Jesus' prayer is important, as he, he does ask that if possible, this would be removed from him. That is, he knows how difficult the next day is going to be, how painful and brutal his death will be. But note the important prayer, yet not what I will, but what you will. It's the Father's will to be done, and that is our prayer as well. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are not to pray for whatever our will is. We are to pray for God's will to be done. And that our will would actually match and be brought into alignment with his will. The next paragraph, Judas comes. And we get the, the arrest occurs. You know these details. Uh, verse 47, for example, Peter is the one who draws his sword and cuts off Malchus's ear. But Mark doesn't focus on that for us. Jesus I mean, Jesus in 48 and 49 is right. He's been with them. He's been with these, these crowds in the, the temple even, and they've done nothing. They've seen him day after day preaching and teaching, and they've done nothing. So why come at him this way? But they do anyway. It's fear is the response to that, by the way. They were afraid. They were afraid to arrest him in front of the crowds. Let the scriptures be fulfilled. Many Old Testament scriptures about Christ's suffering, his death. Um, Isaiah has the servant songs, the suffering servant songs that you can see. Isaiah 52, uh, verse 13 through 53, 12 is a great example. Psalm 22 is a, another great example that you could, could read together as a family in the next couple of days. Verses 51 and 52 are unique to Mark. I mentioned before that pretty much all of this chapter is in every one of the Gospels, but not these two verses. Many think for that reason that this is Mark talking about himself, uh, which would be interesting. I don't know what we have to support that, honestly. Mark is not one of the 12 disciples, so if he's there, um, I don't know. That would be, well, for Mark, certainly noteworthy. They're, they bring Jesus before their council. Uh, chief priests, elders, scribes, notably absent from that are the Pharisees, but they, they seek to put Jesus to death. Lots of false testimony, witness, uh, lots of false things said about Jesus, but those things are not in agreement. They can't agree on anything until they finally get Jesus to speak. They ask him if he is the Christ. 
And he says, yes. He says, I am, um, which is the, the Old Testament name of God for God himself to speak. Ehwe. I am who I am. Ehwe asher ehwe. Jesus makes that kind of a statement here. And they are infuriated. They tear their garments, which is a sign of um, grief and mourning. And they declare that he is blaspheme. And they condemn him to death. Blasphemy is to speak against God. So they spit on him. They cover his face. They strike him. They hit him with blows. They do all kinds of wicked things to him. And that's just the beginning. As they're going to drag him off next. We haven't seen that yet. That's chapter 15. They're going to drag him away to Pilate. Now, in the last closing bit here, Peter denies Jesus three times, just as he predicted. So first time, uh, first two times are at the hands of that servant girl who recognized him. Uh, and then the rooster crows once in between the first and the second. And then the crowd claims that he's a Galilean, so he must be with Jesus, because Jesus comes down from Galilee to that region. And he again denies it. The rooster crows the second time, and he remembers what Jesus said, and he breaks down, and he weeps. You could ask your kids here, why would he not admit? Why couldn't he say to the crowd that was there that he believed in Jesus? Fear. Fear that he would die. That they would kill him too, even though he said he would die with Jesus. Here, he's not willing to die with Jesus. This is a challenge for us in the church today. Around the world, as Christians are killed for their faith in Christ, and if persecution does hit us, you know, we might be willing here in the moment to say, oh yeah, I would, I would stand up for Jesus, I would confess my faith. But the challenge in the moment when you're actually there, a very difficult thing. We pray that the Lord would give us strength to remain faithful whatever happens in this life. Praise me.